Welcome to Songwriter Trists, an intimate podcast that interviews artists about the art of songwriting and find out more about the life behind the songs. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee, your host for this show. Music saved my life and I want to talk to other songwriters about the power of songwriting, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. For more information on this podcast and the guests, visit songwritertrists.com. Welcome to A Songwriter Trist with J.D. Shelburne. How are you? I'm good. Yourself? I love the accent, by the way. (laughs) I love your accent. (laughs) I try to put an American one just to make you feel more comfortable, (laughs) but I can't do it very (laughs) well. you're fine. (laughs) All right. So I like to start my podcast by getting you in your own words to tell us who are you and where do you come from? So my name is J.D. Shelburne. I'm a country music artist uh, stationed right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Originally, I'm from a little small town in Kentucky uh, called Taylorsville. If you've ever heard of the Kentucky Derby, I'm about a half hour from the track. Um, so uh, born and raised there and uh, discovered guitar in college mm-hmm. uh, after the death of my grandmother. Started uh, playing music as a hobby. It led to a career and uh, it's been an amazing, amazing whirlwind journey uh, to Nashville and to all over the country. And so... Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's been I, it's it's been a great it's been a great story and I've had I've had a, a ton of fun uh, doing what I do and for a living. Sounds like fun. So, how how old are you when you're in college over there? It's, it's different. Here. So I would have been uh, 19, I believe. Uh, I, mm-hmm. This happened. My I graduated high school in 01. So in 02, my grandmother died. Uh, I was just starting college uh, my mm. freshman year, and that's when music. Uh, light bulb kind of came off. I found this guitar after her death, and so I would have been around 19 years old. Mm. Um, so, so I've been I've been at this for for several for several years. Quite a while, and it, it can take some time. I hear it's like a 12 year career in Nashville. It, it really uh, is. <laughs> with with your your nan passing, how how's the link there between she passed away? You found the guitar in her attic. Like what happened? What was the yeah? So. Um, Growing up as a kid, um, you know, we stayed at her house a lot. Um, she, she was just like a second mom. Uh, anytime my parents would, uh, you know, have anywhere to go, we'd stay at my, my I have a younger brother. Um, mm. he, he and I would stay at her house a lot. So we, we grew up around her a lot. So we were really close and had that really uh, intimate connection with her that, you know, she was just a lovely grandma as we all have. We all have one. Mm-hmm. And um, she passed uh, my first year of college just suddenly in her sleep. She really, really didn't battle any any health problems. She just had had, had just had knee replacement and just went mm-hmm. to sleep one night and uh, and never woke up. And um, you know it, it it took a toll on me uh, for a few months. You know uh, I was a young kid at college. Uh, she was my favorite grandma, and um, you know I spent a lot of time around with her. So yeah. um, of the course of her after her death, um, I went back home to her funeral. Spent some time with my family uh, before I went back to college. And while I was home, uh, she lived in this really uh, like old house that was like, it was huge. And she would lived in like two rooms of it uh, mm-hmm. down on Main Street, my hometown. And um, we were just, after her death, we, we would go down there and start boxing stuff up. You know, what are we going to do with this? Who's going to get this? What should we do? Yeah. Lock the doors when we leave, you know. And we, I found a guitar in her closet right beside her bed and uh, just kind of took it back to college with me. And it sat in a corner for a, a couple of weeks. And then I thought, you know what? I got a lot of free time. I should, you know, I've always loved music and I've loved to sing to the radio. Why not try this? And so 
yeah. I did. And it just, it just kind of came easy. And, uh, one thing led to another and, uh, started learning my, some of my favorite songs. And then some friends encouraged me to get out, maybe play. One of my friends worked at a bar as a bartender at an Irish pub and I was playing country music at an Irish pub and, <laughs> and it, 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 everything worked. I was making a little extra money on the side and I realized, man, this, this could really develop into something. And it did. So yeah. I just kept rolling with it and, and kept hustling. And your grandmother, did she ever play the guitar? Did you know that she had it? Did she? No, she, uh, I didn't know she had, well, I take that back. I did know she had, it actually belonged to my uncle. She bought it from my uncle years ago. I I very faintly remember the guitar as a kid growing up. We would stay at my aunt and uncle's house, um, you know, ever so often, Mm -hmm. a little weekend trips. And I remember him, it being there, but he could never really play it. And uh, she bought it for him years ago. And to this day, I still have it. It's It's actually upstairs in my house. I kept it. I still have it. So it's very humbling to go to, to see it every now and then and realize that guitar r- really led me to build this house. And so it's, it's yeah. been a, it's been a great, it's been a great journey. It's really gotten me a lot of great things in life and it's, it's helped me meet a lot of great people and, and yeah. uh, make a living doing what I love. And so I'm just very thankful I stuck with it. And yeah. uh, like anything, it's easy to give up on stuff and, you know, when, mm. when things don't go right. And, um, it's been, it's been all uphill for me. I don't always make it to church on Sunday. Been known to use four-letter words And too often I forget to pray unless I'm in trouble I like my whiskey strong and double Lord knows I spend a lot of nights Sitting on this church way of creating sentimental value really quickly and I've talked to a lot of people it's really hard to get rid of guitars and usually when you do sell them it can't, it, it's followed with a lot of regret because <laughs> yeah it, it, you miss it. it's funny I almost sold my guitar in college just because I wanted a big it, I wanted a bigger guitar this was actually a smaller junior size Epiphone so okay. it didn't have a plug-in you couldn't plug it into a PA it was just mm. a raw acoustic and but you know I didn't even I didn't even know what an electric acoustic was I mean now, <laughs> you, you gotta remember I just started playing guitar and had no idea you could even plug them in i was just happy to strum a chord yeah and uh you know one thing led to another my parents took wind that i was teaching myself to play and they thought i was getting pretty decent they were kind nice. of shocked when i came home when i came <laughs> home for thanksgiving when i came home for thanksgiving that year they realized that i could play music and they're like man i was like dad i really want a new guitar for christmas like mom and dad and they're like okay well if you sing in church we'll buy you that and they did and so wow. and i kept this guitar thankfully almost I almost sold this that the old guitar in college to a buddy and i'm so thankful i didn't yeah. And I, for whatever reason, I didn't, but uh, I'm not sure why I didn't, but I just, I guess I just didn't need the money and I kept it. And uh, like you said, it has such a sentimental value. Uh, I don't, I don't, God, I, I would be chasing it down if I did, if I did, had sold it and no telling what I would pay for it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's so, so when did you write your first song? Uh, probably, well, I started playing music in 02. It wasn't until about 03, 04, I was really comfortable on playing songs. I probably wrote my first song about 04, 05. And I couldn't even tell you, if you gave me a hundred bucks right now, I couldn't tell you the title of it. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I've written so many songs since then, but you know, it's funny every now and then when I go home, my bedroom in my, in my parents' house is still the exact same it was when I left for college. It was never changed. Really? And pictures are still on the wall. I mean, it's the same room. It's, it's like a storage unit, but it still has a bed. 
And so yeah. when I go home, which is I'm, I'm actually heading to my hometown tonight after this interview, to be honest with you. Nice. And um, like I'll come across old lyrics uh, in my room sometimes in the drawers or, or wherever. And it's just, it just brings back memories. And it's like, man, time flies by way too fast. You know, it's, it's now 2021 and this was back in 2002 and three. It's like, yeah. gosh, 20 years ago. So have you always been a bit of a writer then? Like you say, you got stuff um, lying you, around. You know, uh, not really. Um, I, I discovered it came easy to me when I started playing music. Now, if I would have never played guitar, I probably would have never even thought about it. Mm. I feel like two and two go together. If you play guitar, you should sing. If you sing, you should write. And so I feel like those kind of go together. And so I, I've lived a lot of great memories. I grew up on a farm, so I have a lot of stories. Yeah. And so it's really easy for me to, to come up with, with, with hooks and, and songs and songs about real life because I lived it pretty much. Yeah. What type of farm did you grow up on? Tobacco farm. Ah. We raised tobacco, yeah. That's so cool. I've never met anyone that worked on a tobacco farm. It was I, very I just, hard work. I just assumed it ba- kind of came from a factory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically you, uh, you grow a tobacco a plant about that big and it gets about six foot tall at the end of its life and you cut it, put four on a stick, hang in the barn for several months and then yeah. you, uh, you, strip the, you strip the leaves off the stalk and put it in a bale and send it, to, and send it down to the warehouse and it's sold to make cigarettes. And so yeah. uh, it was in my life for for my whole entire childhood up to my adult life. And so um, it was the hardest work I ever did. It definitely yeah. made me a man. That sounds like, yeah, really hard life having to do that while studying or going to school and just growing yeah, up. It was, not... Yeah, for sure. For mm. sure. Yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely, uh, you know, it helped pay the bills and, and, um, and that kind of thing. But it definitely, mm. it made me a man. It put, it put hair on my face. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> Okay, so um, was there a clear moment or something that happened for you that was kind of like the, okay, this is a hobby. I've just started playing guitar and my parents think it's, it's cool and my friends think it's cool. Was there a moment where you're like, right, whatever I'm studying at school, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a singer-songwriter. Yeah, you know, when I started playing um, smaller bars in Lexington where I went to college and I would drive to my hometown, which is about an hour away, and i drive to Louisville which was a, a bigger city than Lexington. It had more opportunities. It was only about an hour and 10 minutes from my college town, but had a lot of friends that still lived there. And I would drive home and play, you know, pizza joints, bowling alleys, really whatever would pay me. And I th- every time I would play, I'd, I'd build another crowd. And, you know, the more I played, the, the more uh, people would show up and then I'd get better opportunities. I'd, I'd get, you know, really awesome gigs. I get to open for a national act and it's just come through town and play in front of 15,000 people when I just played in front wow. of 25 at the pizza joint last week. So yeah. I was, I was getting a lot of, I was getting a lot of momentum and, and it was like, you know, I would play this, um, this little bar on Wednesday nights in New Albany, Indiana, which was about an hour and 20 minutes from my house. And mm. it, it paid decent, but it was a Wednesday night gig. So I, I knew like every Wednesday night I would do this. And so the, the, every Wednesday night led to like an every Wednesday night crowd. And I started building a crowd and then actually I built a crowd so large that, um, I couldn't play the club anymore. They told me I pulled too many people in the club. I thought it was crazy. I was like, like what do you mean I pulled too many people in the club? Isn't that the point? Yeah. What, and, what, was, the, what and, was the logic behind that? I, I don't know. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I, jealous. I, recently, <laughs> I, I guess. And I mean, that's not the first time I've been told that. I played, I played bars in Nashville this past year that told me that I bring a crowd that stays too long. And I guess these days they want you to turn over tables quicker. I, don't, I, I guess they don't want you building crowds anymore. And so it's just uh, really, the logic okay. to it is just, it's yeah. just really weird. But when you're in a touristic town like or tourist town like Nashville, mm. you know, a, a gig I recently played and they told me that my crowd comes and they stay too long and I lost my gig. I'm like, that's just, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But you know, so we want you to be good, but not too good. It, I guess. <laughs> and it, but, but I've, 
it's not my first rodeo. I've got a lot of wild and loyal fans that will literally yeah. drive hours to see me play. And so, but back to your point was, yeah. you know, when I started building the clubs and, and um, I didn't sell out every club, but I was getting pretty close. I thought, you know what? I, I, I should go to Nashville. I and I thought about it, thought about it. I was kind of scared to death because I didn't know. I didn't, I actually knew one person here and uh, that person never helped me. So I really came here on my own <laughs> and I uh, built this thing from the ground up, like with nobody's yeah. help, but my parents and my own, and just my own judgment. And yeah. um, my parents literally kicked me out of the house and said, move to Nashville. We never want to hear about it again. And so we packed up a U-Haul uh, back in February of 2008 and I moved yeah. here. I've been here ever since. So wow, crazy ride, man. Yeah. And so, um, what, what was it like for you to move to Nashville? What would be your advice for anyone wanting to do that? Because I feel like that is a thing that everyone thinks they have to do is move to Nashville. Yeah, you know, it helped me quite a bit. Um, I wouldn't say that, I mean, I, I guess you could say I probably should, should, had to be here to, to really get noticed and, and to get opportunities, but my band improved. I, I got better band members when I moved here. Mm-hmm. My players improved. Um, I felt like when I got a Nashville address, I got more gigs. And I guess yeah. I just think if, if I live in Nashville, if my promo packet says Nashville, Tennessee, it's just like, this guy's already a star. I don't know. But it's <laughs> like, I, I was making, I was making three times the money living in Nashville, wow. playing the same gigs back home, not living at home, which makes, which made no sense. But yeah. I've built off that for so long. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've called festivals early on in my career when I didn't have, when I didn't have anybody working for me, but me. And I would literally say my dad's name. Hey, my name's David. I'm looking to book my artist, J.D. Shelburne. Uh, this coming week or, or this coming month uh, or this summer, I, you know, look like you to send a promo pack and I send my promo to be, for him to be considered. And I'd literally get, you know, just because I reach out, I'd, I'd hear back from five of the 10 people I'd email or, or, or more. And so I lived yeah. by that for years and uh, you know, all the money I, I would make would go in my bank. Not, I wouldn't have to pay a commission to anybody. So I learned yeah. ways about booking me. And even though I didn't have, I, I never could find a manager that would even give me the time of day. So why sit back and wait, you know? Yeah, don't wait. Just do it. I love that attitude. That's really good. So, is well there is there a a main hope for what what and why you're doing it? Like when you're on stage, you said you're drawing a crowd. What is it that you think is drawing people to come an hour away to hear you and and watch you play? I just feel like people relate to my music. I'm a very honest, sincere, and authentic guy, mm-hmm. and I feel like people people are, are attracted to that. Um, you know, I've, I've just watched so many people become friends through my music that, that sit on e- opposite sides of the room years ago and now they're best friends or now they're in each other's weddings. And it's just like, yeah. I don't, I guess just something about my music just draws people in. And I finally realized that. And I feel like that's why I get so many gigs now. Um, yeah. that I mean, I, I feel like I put, I'm actually sitting on my fifth album out of Nashville. It's going to come out this year. So, Yay. um, I just got a lot of really great fans that I feel like are drawn to the authentic sound of my voice and, and my stories people can relate to and you know I'm pretty much what you see is what you get I'm not made up I'm not arrogant and you know I think I feel like you have to you have to be humble and shake everybody's hand on the way up because if not nobody will come to your shows and yeah. I've watched other people I watch other people fail that didn't do those things and I've just kind of learned from that and just kind of <laughs> stayed on the straight and narrow and here I am at the end of the day it's like I'm doing what I love I'm, I'm getting paid for it and life is grand Standing in the shadows of what used to be Seems like everything I love about this place gets boarded up I don't want to see that day They 
Tear down my hometown Pieces of my glory days Scattered out on the ground It seems like every day It gets a little more run down I'm tired of talking about getting out So I'm packing up and leaving here now I don't want to see that day It's such a gift to be able to bring people together and connect people. And that's that's not something everyone can do. And the fact that you recognize that as a skill, like it's so important and that you have that, like you don't even have to use it just by doing what you're doing. It's happening naturally. Sure. Just appreciate it. But sure, we need that, especially in times like these. We need people to be those connection points for us. So. Yeah, well done. Tell tell me Thanks. about this new album coming out this year. What's the goal or plan behind that one? Well, the new album is called Straight from Kentucky. Um, the reason I named it that was because uh, last year I was on the cover of the tourism guide for my home state. So basically, mm-hmm. any rest area, any hotel room, for over a, over a half a million copies were released in this magazine. I'm on the cover of, and so yeah. um, I wrote this song called Straight from Kentucky, and why not represent my state? And I'm, I am from Kentucky, and um, I wrote a song about it. So uh, this song is going to have 10 songs and a bonus track. Ooh. And I'm just looking to, to just, you know, make more movement, just keep climbing the ladder. I've got goals to play the Opry and, you know, I don't have a deal. I'm still searching for a deal that, 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 you know, I've been building this ship for, I mean, over 10 years now, building my own fans, you know, selling my own merch, driving my yeah. own bus, and, you know, but I, but I love it because I control everything coming in, going out. And yeah. at the end of the day, uh, I'm, I'm proud to say I'm not in debt, you know, and, and everything I make goes goes right to my right to me, and so you know. But I'm at the, I'm at a point in my career where it's really getting hard to to, to manage some shows, and I'm mm. getting you know, there's some really big shows that I can't get a part of because I don't have a, a deal. So hopefully, mm. a deal's on the horizon. I work I worked with a brand new producer named Phil O'Donnell. Phil's had lots of success with many different mainstream artists, yep. such as Blake Shelton, Craig Morgan, and yep. so I really feel like he took a liking to my music. Cool. And uh, I got a really good, I think I have a really, really great record that should make some waves. Well, we're going to promote it for you as much as possible, at least here. And um, Thank you. Yeah, wishing you all the best with that one, absolutely. And it's only going to get better if you keep a, a pure heart and just do what you love. It's just going to unroll and I'm sure you're going to achieve things that you can't even imagine. So um, thank you. Yeah, just stay true to what you're doing. Tell me, um, I have a few questions actually, because you mentioned earlier that you were doing like local bar gigs and then you were like opening for international acts. What's the best like gig experience that you'd say you had? Oh gosh. I've played over 3000. I'm almost 3000 shows. I'm going to say, um, there's about 10 that come to mind. My first, probably if I had to pick one or two, um, my 2018 hometown show, I, I go back home every two years and put out a new record and I go back home to celebrate the release. I used to go back home, throw on this huge concert from my hometown. And yeah, cool. my hometown is a little, is just a little small dot on the map that has like two stoplights and a main street. And that's literally it. And, <laughs> you know, I, I always love to go home and, and to, to share my story to make it free for fans. So I raised all this money and I put this big, huge stage in the center of main street in 2018, about 7,000 people showed up. Wow. And that was probably the largest crowd that ever it's ever been to my hometown or so what I was told. And so that, that really felt good to like get out of, get walk off my bus onto a stage full of people. And it's like, I had the picture framed in my music room That's amazing. and, um, 
just to know I built it because I look back to 2003 and that same exact place, seven people probably watched me one day and two of them were mom and dad. So (laughs) I built it. I I built it from playing on a gooseneck trailer in front of seven people. And then I'd get to a hundred the next year. Then I, you know, you know, then I told myself I would never come back home until I can put it on myself and make it right. And we, we came back home in 12, 14 and 16. Mm. And then I went back in 18. I'm going home this year and uh, for the next hometown. And like, if I can get 10,000 people out there, man, it'll be a dream come true. But just just to watch my crowd grow. And then the second one would be, um, Mm. I got to do a show um, last year. Uh, Tim McGraw was a headliner. Yeah, And uh, I was like on the side stage by his stage. uh, And man, it it was the largest crowd. I mean, it was thousands of people that just showed up to my show. And it was kind of near my hometown. The sound was so good. And my band was rocking. And we were the headliner for the stage right before Tim McGraw went on. And yeah, man, it was, it was something I'll never forget. And, but I've had a lot of those kind of moments yeah. um, playing a couple, I, I did a couple stadiums and, um, but you know, my hometown was probably my number one, just because I wanted to prove a point to people that <laughs> didn't think I can, didn't think I could get there. People that, <laughs> I love that. people that, people that, you know, I mean, I had some friends I went to high school with that, yeah. that don't even come to my, that never even came to my shows in college because they thought I was too good, you know, and now here I am, oh. you know, build momentum and they don't, they still don't come out. And so I wanted to, it, that was kind of a, <laughs> that was just kind of a, uh, you know, I don't know. It was, it was just a, something for me. I'll always cherish and going back home to that's play that show. That, yeah. Yeah. And people didn't think I could do it. Yeah. That's such a common thing for friends and family to never be able to see you as the artist that you are because they know you yeah. as how they met you and to change the way someone sees you right. is such a challenging thing. Whereas new people, and I've found that, but I, I, found, I struggled with that as well when I started and I've talked to some publishers and other people in the industry and it's like everyone, the biggest stars in the world have the same thing. Their family and their friends they went to school with will just always see them as that little kid they went to school with yeah. and can't see them as an artist yeah, <laughs> or anything different. It's just it. Yeah, well, you, you you definitely find out who your true friends are in, the, in this business, and, yeah. and it's usually people. It's usually it's usually people you never talked to growing up that are your friends mm. now, and the ones that you talked to growing up, you know, have you don't have anything to do with them anymore. And that's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. I mean, I still yeah. talk to a few of them, but there's several I grew up with that, that ain't been to a show in decades, you know. But yeah. but it's just the way it is. People get older, people have kids, and they don't have time, and that's fine. But you know, um, you just you never forget the ones that really support you. Yeah. And it's usually the people that would that you would have never thought would, that would ever supported you in, to begin with. And it's people that you either you didn't really talk to growing up or, or whatever. But I've made so many yeah. people, so many friends and fans along the way. And you tend to forget about the ones that don't that aren't around anymore. But um, yeah. I've got I've got loyal fans, and uh, you definitely keep your circle small these days. Yeah, no, that's amazing. It's beautiful to hear. Um, and what about co-writing? Because I imagine being in Nashville, you've done quite a bit of co-writing, and you co-wrote your every last. time. Yeah, every time. Every okay. time. I, I've, I've written a couple solo songs, but I feel like this co-writing has a whole different perspective. You have new new ideas and, you yeah. know, you get hung on words sometimes. And mm-hmm. um, I do, I co-write. I, I got really lucky a few years ago. I moved next door. I lived in an apartment and I upgraded the apartment to a two bedroom. Mm-hmm. This has been years ago. <laughs> and um, I just happened to move next door to a an, to an, uh, writer that, um, that was just going through a divorce. So basically she got the house, he got the apartment and, uh, uh it kicked off a friendship. He's written a bunch of number ones and uh, he's been a huge asset to my music career and he's on every one of my records and uh, wow. he, he's written some really big songs. His name is Mark Nessler. And so he really, he was really a godsend. He moved next door to my, we lived next door to each other for about, uh, about two years. Yep. And would you and say so, that that was your best co-writing experience with him? 
Probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. And what would be your best advice for people when they're co-writing? Like, what, what would you do? Just go into um, the room with an open mind. You know, I always take an idea. Like, no matter who I'm writing with, if it's a hit writer, if it's somebody that's never written a hit, I just go in and try to take one song title or one idea. That way, if you come to the right and they're writing and you're not saying anything, you don't really feel like you were you were worthless. You know, yeah. there's been a couple of times I've done co-writes. And I'm like, oh, I, I mean, I said they were they used two words out of the whole song. Or <laughs> or I at least try to want to give them an idea. So, you know, I always yeah. think I have a lot of ideas. I hear a lot of words on TV and radio that I'll jot down. And um, so it's yeah. but co-writing is uh, is the way to go. Yeah, it never turns off, does it? And there's so many yeah. writers out there that don't sing and produce and release music. So they don't have an opportunity to have their music out unless artists who do sing and record do do that for their music. So it's right. a gift as well to be able to do that, which is beautiful. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Um, back when I was playing, um, I mean, teach myself to play in college. Um, I had a guy one time tell me, like, you're never going to get discovered in the basement. You get out and play every show you can, you can get. Yeah. And I took that with – and, and use it every day. I mean, I would play shows anytime anybody call me, but I recently was on a, um, like a, uh, a networking phone call with a, a bunch of different artists and managers on the phone mm. and, uh, Sugarland's manager. I don't know if you're familiar with Sugarland, the group, no. uh, they're very big. In the, they were very, very big in the United States and still are. Okay. They, uh, their manager, um, was one of the special guests on the call. And she said something that stuck with me. Uh, she said, never, Never let uh, amount of mo- um, amount of money keep you away from a gig. Mm. So there's been a couple times that like maybe I, I, there wasn't a lot of money for a gig that was going to be a really big gig, but they didn't really want to pay that much, and I turned it down, and I may have lost an opportunity. But she told me a really good story of a guy that lost um, that lost an opportunity because he turned down a gig because it didn't pay enough. And uh, so that was really I really need to hear that because you know we don't get I mean we make good money, but there's some gigs that don't pay what they should. Mm. And it's usually the really big gigs that are, that are like, yeah, I don't know, that, that are just career changing. And yeah. um, it was good to hear that from her to, to know that, you know, she told the story of this guy who, um, who turned down an opportunity because they didn't pay enough. Mm-hmm. I think 500 bucks for something for some acoustic show. Yeah. Well, for whatever reason, he didn't take it, didn't pay enough. He wanted a thousand. They wouldn't pay it. Well, this other guy was next in line, got the gig. Well, when he, when he played the gig, there was somebody there from L.A. that was a, a part of music publishing for movies. Well, they loved this dude singing and put like 600 songs in, a, in like a course of like 10, 10 years worth of movies. And he became an instant millionaire. And Ouch. the guy that the guy <laughs> that lost a spot would have been this. It would have been the same thing. And it's like, yeah, he just, you know, it's just like that right there. I was like, you know what? I don't think I'll ever turn down another opportunity if they're not going to pay enough. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, it's just kind of crazy. But thankfully, I'm at a point in my career now where we have set pricing and stuff. But at the same time, not all of them will agree to it. And you just got to kind of yeah. take the good with the bad. And, and But like I said, I would be so mad if I realized I, I turned down a gig and the guy that got it got some big publishing deal that I, I would have gotten. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like a little bit of regret. I don't know. I'm still yeah. at the point where I've only just started getting paid gigs and the transition from going as being like a free artist who, who oh, gets beer or wine as payment to being paid. It's such a big transition. Um, oh, yeah. Makes you more yeah. hungry too. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very exciting. Um, but, yeah, well, actually, I, I've only just been booked as my first sort of major support act 
So I'm nervous <laughs> and it's in oh, March. Awesome. What, would, what would your advice be for when you're opening for like a major country artist? I would uh, play your own songs and tell, tell the stories behind them. Okay. Because I feel like that's what's really, that's what's really connecting me with a lot of fans. And if I, go to, if I go to a concert and I see the opener, I always go to see the opener because that's usually me. And <laughs> the ones that don't tell the stories are the ones that are like, eh, he was all right. But the ones that actually take time and tell me they wrote the song and, you know, and are humble is the ones I really remember. And so I feel like, you know, definitely meet, greet the fans when you're done and tell, play your own songs and, and tell your stories behind them. Cool. That's my that's, three. That's my three uh, words okay. of advice for you. I definitely talk sometimes more than I sing. <laughs> so you definitely should talk. Careful. I love your voice. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I have to be careful. My dad was a preacher, so um, I definitely take after him sometimes. And I, I tell my fans to tell me to shut up and sing. <laughs> <laughs> and they told me that too. All, <laughs> yeah. all right. What about if you could go back in time to when you were nineteen or around the, or even around the age when you started songwriting? If you could go back in time and talk to yourself when you were at that age, what would you tell yourself? Give yourself a piece of advice. Probably uh, if, if I would have went back in time, if I could tell myself one thing, probably I would probably have played a little bit more writer's nights. I didn't play a lot of them in Nashville. I played some. I didn't play a lot, but I wish I would have I I played a few more writer's nights and uh, maybe met a few more people. Um, but, I mean, I've met a lot of people along the way, but if I had to go back to my 19-year-old self in Nashville – I was kind of a homebody for a little while because I didn't know anybody. I was kind of bored and you know, I was doing my own thing, driving back home and playing shows and wherever was paying, I was playing. And, you know, yeah. I didn't really establish myself early on as a, as a Nashville known artist. I mean, people knew I was living in Nashville, but I didn't, I didn't spend my every Friday and Saturday night at a, at a you know, at a writer's night drinking all night. That just wasn't me. It wasn't my vibe, yeah, but I probably okay. would have, would have played a few more writer's nights and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I, I, after that, I, I would have said save money, but I've been saving money for years. So there's no problem doing that. I've always been a saver. Yeah. Interesting. Bored in Nashville. I could never imagine anyone ever being bored in Nashville. I, know. I guess it was because I was by myself. I and mean, when you're by yeah. yourself, it's just like, uh, I don't, you know, it's so different when you go out, when you're, when you're alone. And yeah. it's just like, but you realize you meet people that are in the same boat you are. They're, you know, missing their families. They're by themselves. They're trying to chase their dream. Yeah. They got a band. They don't have a band or whatever. And, yeah. And so, you know, most of them turn into be alcoholics and that wasn't, that's not the road I went down. And, yeah. And it's just like, Good. you know, you meet a lot of people that are very disgruntled and very people that are very just jaded mm. and it makes you want to be jaded, but like you've already done a lot of things. And it's like, you, you start lowering yourself to them. It's like, man, you got to leave dude. And I, mm. I just got to where I just spaced myself from everybody and did my own damn thing. And yeah. luckily it worked. No, it definitely is working for you. So, yeah, keep up what you're doing and, um, yeah, avoid too much alcohol if you can. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, if you could co-write with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Uh, probably Garth Brooks. I mean, yeah. Garth was my very first concert. He okay. was my very first artist I ever loved. Still love his music. Um, if I put a song out Garth Brooks co-wrote, I'd probably be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah it cool. definitely be it definitely be Garth, um, and then if I had to meet Elvis Presley, I mean, who knows? Uh, do you know what they're bringing out a movie about him next year? I think. Which oh, is really? Oh, I can't wait! The, the, the freaking King of Rock. Man. Yeah, Tom Hanks and um, Baz Luhrmann's directing, and they've got a guy named Austin Butler playing Elvis. Wow. But um, I'm very excited because I got to be can't wait to see that tiny 
tiny little role in it. They're filming it down the road from me and I got to be in the background for a couple of weeks. Oh, and, that's awesome. Uh, to, be a, the, to be a fly on the wall, which is what it felt like when you're an extra in a movie like that, to be a fly on the wall and watching Tom Hanks and Baz Luhrmann and these guys and they're doing Elvis. I mean, it could have been anything, but the fact that they were doing Elvis was like, oh, amazing. <laughs> that's great. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um. Great. That's that's the uh, end of my official questions. Is there anything else well, you'd like you. to share about what you're doing this year? Well, just uh, you know, keep in touch on my website, uh, jdshelmer.com. I hope mm-hmm. to uh, one of these days come over your way and play. I'd love to meet you. We'll, we'll try uh, and build up your audience for you over here. So. It'd be amazing to play uh, <laughs> over in your country for sure. My gosh. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate the support. And uh, if you're ever in Nashville, um, get in touch. Yeah, sure. We'll meet up. And uh, best of luck on, on what you're doing. It's exciting. I can't wait to hear your music. And uh, oh, like I said, you. let me know, let me know if I can ever promote you on over here, and uh, I'll return the favor. Yeah, sweet. Well, I'm only releasing my first EP this year, so I'm a newbie. Um, and I'm just this was like a a lockdown. I'm bored and I need to do something. <laughs> um, so I'm learning, and I just feel like by learning, I'm I'm also reading the textbook, but I'm I'm sharing it at the same time. So anyone else who was um, on the journey with me, but to be able to support and see what you're doing and how you got to where you are and talking to so many amazing people. Um, yeah, it's been really cool. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. I have been to Nashville in 2019, such an inspirational place. I was there for 10 days and I swear I did not stop for like a second of it. Um, Airbnb was so good. Stay with some amazing people. So. Um, oh yeah, for sure. I wish I could well, next be time back. You come back. Let me know. I will for sure. Um, I, I was going to come back this year or last year, but obviously um, Australia's like got really hard borders and restrictions on travel. Really? I bet. Yeah. So, because we don't really have My guitar players, my guitar players from Canada. So he went back home till March. So he's, I've been filling out his like union papers and everything, like trying to get him to come back. And yeah. it's been really, uh, it's been really like stressful for him. You know, luckily I just got to approve it and sign off, but it's just like, man, it's crazy. That he's got, I've got to sign papers to allow him back in the States. And so, but yeah, it's I, it's gonna be fine. So you guys have the vaccine, though, don't you? So it's um, yes, yeah, and we're I think March we're starting to roll out vaccines. So fingers crossed that once people start to become vaccinated, travel will be reallowed. So. Yeah, I think so, and then we can get back to doing our shows and having fun. Awesome. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining thank me. Thank you talking. so much. Yeah. Um, you'll be on a. We'll do like a blog on the website, and it'll have all the okay. ways that people can check you out and. Thank You're the you. best. Thanks See so much you. for your time. You too. Bye. See you. Bye. Thanks for joining our songwriter Trist today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guest, please go to the website songwritertrists.com crowd no one can hear me wish i could